Blog Talk Radio. From Brooklyn, New York, where the genes are not kind to a man's testicles, it's Blazing Rhyme Radio. Tonight on the show, Academy Award winner, Kevin Costner. Wait, wait what? Oh, oh, okay. Kevin Costner got a flat tire. But we will be welcoming director of the new movie, Free Samples, Jay Gemmel, plus rapper Shiz Gotti, featuring guest host Tamika Kidd. And now, our man with two tickets to paradise, so pack your bags, we'll leave tonight, Ryan Holmes. Monday, May 20th, 2013, 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. I am joined by my lovely co-host, the one and only Broadway medic, Tamika Kidd. Tamika, how are you? All right, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. So it seems that we have uh, several weeks here now mired in just uh, tragedy and catastrophe. Tell me what's going on in Oklahoma right now, Tamika. Uh, Category F5 hit Oklahoma City. Yeah, you know, it's the Dust Bowl, the weather there, you know, we're all familiar with it, but this was the, right now they're calling it the largest tornado, I believe, in U.S. history. It surpasses the F4, um, which hit in May 3rd of 1999. And if you don't know the categories, F1 is obviously the lowest. Uh, And F4 used to be the highest, I believe. They're categorizing this as an F5 right now. It's probably beyond any sort of uh, – it looks horrific. It looks like uh, one of the newscasters of the show I was watching said it looked like something out of World War II, just looking at the landscape. And, of course, there is a uh, tremendous loss of life that they are dealing with right now as the emergency services goes through and, you know, tries to find people or – that are still alive or recovery at this point. It's it's bad. It happened about two hours ago, and it's, you know, now, of course, it's getting dark, and they're frantically trying to get as much done as possible because there are a mm-hmm. lot of uh, live wires and just a tremendous amount of obstacles that um, are going to hinder them in the darkness. So uh, my heart and prayers goes out to them. Absolutely. Uh, is there more of a uh, suddenness with tornadoes than there is with, say, hurricanes? I mean, when we had Hurricane Sandy, uh, the governors were evacuating people from the hurricane zones and stuff to, to limit the loss of life to minimal amount. Uh, well, but it seems that there wasn't uh, much evacuation this time. No, I, I, from what I've heard, there was uh, some sort of evacuation taking place. People that live there kind of know the weather, like, you know, maybe in mm-hmm. California you kind of know when it's earthquake weather. I mean, so right. people 
had taken precautions. They have precautions in their homes. A lot of people don't have basements, but they do have uh, secure rooms, secure rooms and the normal four walls of their homes, uh, reinforced walls. And um, one thing that we're finding out now that was taken to prevent loss of life, actually, I don't think anything from what I've heard could have uh, prevented it, but, uh, you know, they held some of the kids in school because the schools were reinforced, but uh, this one elementary school took a direct hit, and now they are uh, in a recovery effort with uh, the fatalities in that location. So it just, it's uh, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around that you think, oh, it's a tornado, it's wind, but listening to what they were talking about, because of the shape of the United States, when tornadoes come through that particular part in the midsection, it's getting dry energy from the mountain high, you know, Denver mountain high, and then the moisture from the Gulf of Mexico, and it hits, and it just, you know, creates a perfect devastation uh, effect with a tornado, and they keep getting stronger and stronger. But, you know, people are taking precautions. People have taken precautions and have built rooms for it, you know, much like what we're doing out here on the East Coast. We're trying to build above the sea level and put up sea barriers and what have you. I don't, you know, I know people keep talking about global warming, this, and stuff like that. I just, uh, I don't know. It's like you've taken every precaution that you can, just like the teacher did with those uh, children. They were in an enforced wall, but, um, you know, it uh, was apparently too much to bear. Yeah, and we have uh, reports of at least two dozen killed and uh, I guess 75 uh, children were in that classroom uh, when it made a direct hit. Don't know how many have died. Um, if they anyone found is, the uh, third graders. They found the third graders. I know that, but I, okay. I just don't... Mm. Well, if anyone's listening and wants to help, text Red Cross to 90999 to donate 10 bucks to disaster relief. That's text Red Cross, all one word, to 90999. Um, another uh, tragic thing that's been occurring lately in our neck of the woods is a whole lot of hate crimes in New York City, of all places, uh, in the village and health kitchen area of all places against uh, the LGBT community. Uh, people have been beaten to a pulp. Uh, a man was killed last week. Tamika, what's, what do you think is going on? I don't know. I don't, I don't, well, I, I tell you what's getting ready to happen besides NYPD, uh, you know, stepping up their patrols, that. That's good, you know, God bless them. But I think people are going to be a little bit more on guard. Uh, one couple, were, the two couples that were beat up were both by Madison Square Garden, both after a sporting event, which I don't, you know, that in itself is crazy right there because there's a lot of people down there. How are you just going to walk by somebody getting beaten to a pulp, you know, straight or gay? What What's that about? No one will call yeah. the cops. And this other Nobody's doing anything to help. Right. I mean, at the very least, call. Don't take out your phone to film it until you've yeah. called police. I don't. I don't. That. That's another. Right. I can't even go there. 
the other incident is truly tragic down in the West Village. You know, the guy apparently had approached a bouncer outside of a club with a fire the firearm that he's alleged to have used to kill this other young man. And you know, we all here in New York, you know, you know the bouncers. I don't know if they would call nine one one and say, "Hey, someone's walking around with a gun in New York," because then, you know, it, it, it seems like it creates a an, uh, an alertist alarm about, "Oh my God, people in New York City are walking around with guns." Well, hey, you know, they're walking around with guns everywhere. But this clearly was a hate crime, and I, my heart. Um, has been heavy with this as well because apparently he walked up to the couple and asked, are you with him? He said, yes, you want to die? I mean, there's all premeditation all up in that. And it's it's like, are you kidding me? You know, and he's doing it. I don't care. I, I, I don't know. I can't. I I. I've heard reports from people that have been asked not to speak about this violence taking place because they don't want to create an alarmist type of attitude. But if people are just straight up getting shot in the face uh, over absolutely nothing, then I don't know how much more alarmist you need to be. You know, that, that, that horse is already out of the barn. So, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh well, I believe there's, there's going been, to be another candlelight visual tonight, and I yeah. am trying to find the young man's name who lost his wife. Uh, I believe it's Mark Carson is his name. Yes, yeah, Mark Carson. I'm, I'm trying to find the, uh, the the visual might be going on right now. I'm not positive, but I'm reading the thing. Yeah, uh, there will be a rally in NYC tonight. That's all it just says tonight. It doesn't say what time. But, hey, if you're listening to this, you know, stop and go over there. <laughs> You'll listen to this later um, if you're so inclined. Uh, so, I mean, you know, it just occurred to me when you're, uh, you were talking about this, Tamika, that um, the first couple incidents happened outside Madison Square Garden, outside the sporting events. Uh, the gardens where the Knicks play. Recently there was a basketball player who came out as homosexual. Um, Do you think that there's any correlation? I mean, I might be talking out of school here, but do you think that there's some sort of correlation between some homophobic uh, sports fans, maybe basketball fans, who don't want the gay community uh, being active inside their community? I don't know. I didn't look at it that way because I just saw that young man who, uh, the professional basketball player, came out on the news and they asked him, uh, you know, what has been his res- what has been the response around the world, and he said it's been amazing in a positive light. But uh, now that thinking about it, maybe I I don't know. Like I said, Madison Square Garden, there's at least thousands of people around there any time of the day, you know, day or night, and out of a sporting event, there's, you know, hundreds of thousands. So, um, I don't know. That might be, that might be uh, something to talk about, something to consider. Yeah. I I hadn't looked at it that way until you were just making your points just now. 
Um, yeah, both were in Madison, both were by the area in the 30s, in the town of Madison Square Garden. So. Yeah, exactly. Somebody somebody saw something. The other two, the other two couples that were uh, accosted, no suspects yet or anything. At least with the in the, in the village, I shouldn't even say at least. At the very least, they apprehended the guy um, who was accused of shooting this young man, and. Um, the, the friend that was with them ran off somewhere, so there's still, you know, still some justice to be done. Absolutely. Our thoughts go out to the families of the victims in those attacks as well, um, especially for Mr. Carson's family. Uh, we're going to take a turn here. Uh, Tamika, you mentioned that you had not seen the uh, the Billboard Awards last night because you, you got some sort of person staying on that couch well, I want to let you know that you really would have enjoyed part of it because um, my homegirl, Justin Bieber, won an award last night, right? <laughs> I heard about and that. Did, I heard, did I you heard hear she about got booed. I heard she got yeah. booed. Let me tell you what happened. Uh, she Now, I love her. I've seen her in concert. I'm going to go back in August, I think, <laughs> although after last night, I don't know. So, uh she goes up there to accept some award, and the awards that she was getting last night, it kind of seemed like Billboard was just making up awards because, like, she make, she makes so much money. So it just kind of seemed like the awards that she was getting, like, I don't know, like some sort of weird, I don't know. It was they were weird awards. It wasn't like best male vocal or something like that. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? You hear me? You hear mm-hmm. me? So he, he goes up there and. <laughs> It was after he had performed, and it looked like he was wearing some sort of black leather skirt or garbage bag or something uh, nice. around his leg. Um, but uh, and then the the outfit I kind of liked though because he had like a uh, one sleeve was off and the other sleeve was on, and it was just like straight up crazy. And I've always liked how he kind of embraced the crazy. Uh, so. He goes up there to accept this award, and he starts making his speech, and he starts just mumbling, or not mumbling, but just the the word I'm looking for. He's just very lost, and he just says, uh, like, uh, you know, I'm not not a gimmick. I'm 19 years old, and I think I'm doing pretty well, and, like, I'm not a gimmick. I'm an artist, and I should be taken seriously. And that's when the crowd booed, because what artist in his or her right mind would go up accept an award, and say that. Because as my old acting teacher, Craig McDonald, said to Mika Kid, whatever the audience gets is right. He can't control if people don't take him seriously, and he shouldn't be going. He's in no position to go up there and wearing that outfit and doing this music that I love, but a lot of people don't, and say, you should take me seriously. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> I did see that on Access Hollywood or something, a little blurb about it where he's like, you should take me seriously. Okay. Yeah, it was it was sad. It was rough. Well, I hope whatever uh, whatever medication he's on, he stops taking immediately. Let's move on, shall we? Uh, our first guest is a talented director whose new film, Free Sample, premieres on demand tomorrow and in theaters May 31st. Please welcome Jay Gamble. Hey, Jay, no problem. Anytime. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good. Where are you? Are you in Los Angeles? 
I am. I'm in sunny Southern California. <laughs> and now, are you from there? No, I, I'm not. I'm, I grew up in Louisiana. I grew up in Shreveport, Louisiana, and then I, uh, I moved to L.A. about 10 years ago. Went to grad school at USC. So uh, I'm officially. A, a, I feel like this is now my home. Well, good. It, I, I hear it takes a while for L.A. to feel like one's home. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, I, I spent yeah, yeah. two years there after college, and uh, I it never felt like home, but then I had a director once who said, you need to give it a moment. And I said, I gave it two years, and he was like, no, 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 like a moment, <laughs> like six years. <laughs> yeah, two wasn't enough. So... Uh, the film debuts on tom- on demand tomorrow. Are you excited, sir? I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. It's been um, this is like the culmination of a five year journey for me. So um, I I can't wait for it to be out in the world and everybody can see it, and then we'll be doing theaters after that. But um, yeah, we're gonna it's tomorrow, May twenty first. Yeah, and then away. May thirty first. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then in May, on May 31st, it'll be in theaters. Now, is it, it, it will it be in theaters nationwide or in selected cities? It's going to be selected cities. We're opening in Los Angeles on May 31st. And then on June 7th, June 7th will be in New York. We'll be at the Cinema Village. So I'm excited about that, and I'm going to come out for that, too. Um, well, whoever's listening, I pray to God your city has been selected. Now, there's a yes. whole bit in the film about one of your characters uh, peeing on her friend's couch. Did that really yeah. happen to to anybody, to, <laughs> to you or to the writer or anybody? <laughs> it must have happened to the writer. But I, I remember when I first read that in the script, I thought, that's, that's, not, that's not realistic. Oh, it's pretty, real, uh, pretty realistic. I've asked several, several of my friends, and, like, this, is, this apparently happens. I mean, if you're, <laughs> you know, hungover and you had a lot to drink, you know, uh, you're gonna pee on the couch. I'm <laughs> sorry. Well, not on purpose. Well, Tamika, you've never peed on the couch. No, I haven't. I have peed on the floor, though. I will admit to that. But uh, I legitimately thought, I legitimately thought it was the bathroom because I recall lifting up the uh, sheet. Yes. And and turning around and squatting and thinking, and then I just heard water running, and I was like, this is not, no, okay. Well, wow. I could kind of relate to that, Jay, because there was a, a, a Saturday that I spent in Philadelphia that we were all out in the sun and, and dehydrated and stuff, and then we drank these, uh, I don't know if you've spent time in Philadelphia, but they have this, these, uh, this malt, malt liquor there called Steel Reserve. Have you guys heard of this? Oh yeah. Okay, so I we we all drank forties of it, and I woke yeah. up in the middle of the night and must have thought that the kitchen was the bathroom, and I think <laughs> that I thought that I didn't have to pee, but the other thing because I sat down and thank God uh, I didn't do the other thing, but like I woke up like in the middle of the wow. night like on the kitchen table thinking, like, oh, shit. Like, and then uh, the girl whose apartment that was, because it wasn't mine, <laughs> uh, I ran into <laughs> her recently, and she told me this whole story about how she 
wound up shitting in her bridesmaid dress during a wedding. Oh, no. She made me feel better about the whole situation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a step further. <laughs> exactly. So then I didn't shoot. Like, so don't feel so bad about peeing in my kitchen. Um, yeah. Now, have you, Jay, have you ever worked on an ice cream truck? I haven't. Uh, I frequently ice cream trucks when I was a kid. I'm sorry, you did what? I, I frequented ice cream trucks when I was a kid. I chased them down. Uh, I've never worked on one. Now, the scene in the movie where Jason Ritter strips down to nothing below the waist and serves chocolate ice cream, I really thought that you guys were going somewhere else with that. Uh, <laughs> if he's already serving the ice cream, why not, you know, why not take it to the next level? You know, that's, that's a good question. You probably wanted to, um, but then... Uh, I don't know why that didn't happen. I mean, he answers the question. It, it's, uh, you know, is this sexual? And it, it apparently is not, but he also pees on people's couches. So um, <laughs> there's something going on there. <laughs> I'm not sure there what it is. is. <laughs> now, um, I have nearly lost my mind when that damn ice cream truck music is playing. Uh, do you, Jay, do you, uh, does it bother you like it bothers me? Uh, it doesn't bother me that much. I don't know why. Although, when I hear it now, because even in L.A. I'll hear ice cream trucks driving around, and I'm like, like, who is driving an ice cream truck? <laughs> yeah. a bit of a flashback for me. But, I, yeah, no, I love it. I, uh, um, it didn't get on my nerves. I'm sorry to That's say impressive. that. <laughs> so this film, three samples. Uh, you and your team assembled quite the cast for this film. How'd you pull that off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we got very lucky, uh, certainly. Um, th- I mean, this project started in 2008, and I met this screenwriter coming out of film school uh, for, at USC, and uh, he was working on another project with Jesse Eisenberg, and at the time. Um, you know, he read, Jesse read three samples and said, yeah, I would do a small part in this. And so that was really the beginning of, I mean, of you know, the, the, the domino effect of, of getting all these people that are so talented in, on the film. But we were just so lucky that, you know, I mean, I was excited then, like, because I knew him from Squid and the Whale, and I loved that film. So just to have him, I was like, I'm stoked, let's, let's keep going. And then, and then his career took off. And um, we always wanted Jess Wexler for the lead role, and so she was interested. And I think what's nice about it is, like, for some of the supporting uh, actors, supporting characters, they're only there for a couple days on our shoot. So it's an easy commitment, so it's more attractive to to them sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, Um, so like, like Jason Ritter, he was there for two days, and so that was, you know... Oh really? So, yeah, and he was he was actually he was still on the event at that time, the NBC show. So we he came on his off days. So we just got lucky with people's schedules and you know working. I mean, and they had worked together before in, on different films, which always mm-hmm. helps. They they had a, a shorthand with each other. Right. So. And your lead, Jess Wexler, uh, do, do you think that she's kind of going to be the next? the next big thing? I sure hope so. I, she deserves it. She's such so talented. And, you know, I loved her in Teeth, a terrifying movie that that is. But 
but she was fantastic in that film. And um, yeah, she she and I was so happy like that she took on this role and you know owned it. <laughs> she uh, you know I wouldn't want to cross her um, at that ice cream truck myself. Right. And what was it like working with uh, Jesse Eisenberg? Uh, yeah, he's a he's a real pro. He he came in like he just like he does and his character does in the movie. He comes in and sweeps sweeps Jess off her feet. He did the same thing to all of us. Um, and that's funny because you don't even you don't usually see him in roles like this where he's like the suave guy, suave and confident. Mm-hmm. And so when he did that, I mean that was all that was all him. Um, so I mean it's, you know it's one of those one of those experiences like. Uh, I hardly had to direct them even. Um, so, mm-hmm. what? Um, one of the uh, more surprising uh, actors who's in your film is uh, Tiffy Hedren. Um, yeah, and that's pretty impressive. What's it like to work with this film icon? Uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> I still hardly believe it. Um, uh, it's so hard when you're like I think that she was the one I was most nervous with, just because like mm-hmm. I I well, I think I first saw the birds when I was five years old, uh, so like I knew I knew who she was and I want I and I and the way where, the reason I, I I got the idea for her was she was on uh, like a guest appearance on CSI a few years ago, and I just thought oh she's she's working and oh what if she would what if she might do want to do this film. Um, and I always wanted somebody that was who had who had been who had been around um, during the, you know classic Hollywood to, to play the, a character that is similar. So um, we just you know bit the bullet and asked her her agent, and then you know she to be liked it. So she's been very supportive of herself too. Were there other people from that era that you were considering for that role? Well, well, she was my number one choice. And then, like, we didn't even think we would get her. So we went out to a few other people who weren't, you know, didn't really like it, the script as much. I mean, the, the, what's interesting about the character is she's saying, the character is saying she doesn't want to be seen anymore because all she was ever known for was her beauty. And so being older, she doesn't have that. But and that resonates. Like, there are a lot of actresses from that era who won't, and don't don't allow themselves to be photographed anymore. If they're still alive, you would never know it because they don't mm-hmm. have to go to any stuff. So wow. it's interesting that that's like a real phenomenon. Um, yeah. And did you, Jay? Did you see the um, the girl on HBO? The film I did. about the relationship. I did see it. Yeah. Uh, what, what what that made me never want to watch a Hitch, Hitchcock film again. What did you think <laughs> of that movie? He <laughs> uh, was a yeah, that was terrifying. Um, I guess, and that was based on a book, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we, Tippy was at one of our, no, we were in Denver at the Star Denver Film Festival, and Tippy was there with us. And, and that it had just, the girl had just been, come out on, on HBO, and so people were asking her, and she, you know, she was saying, it like, no, it's a true story, and if that's, if that's the case, that's, you know, uh, hard to like him at that point. So she, like she movies, said it's though. not a true story? No, she said it is a true story, yeah. So, oh, it is. I see. I'm, yeah, but I mean, I'm sure like any movie, you know, any biopic is somewhat dramatized. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, Tamika, I know you're chomping at the bit over there to ask Jay a question. Well, you said you yeah. uh, did your schooling at USC. Uh, were you able to use any of uh, your contacts through them to get these uh, pretty A-list stars that you have right now? Um, I no, I wasn't. Um, and that's that's the interesting thing about USC is it's got such a great alumni, uh, you know, working alumni and famous filmmakers and things like that. But right. you're really you're really disconnected from them, oddly enough. But um, the USC name helps. You know, people right. when they hear that they say, "Oh, I know, I know you have to be pretty good to have gone there." So. We'll extend the well, level of trust to you. I know you are very good, but I have to say, coming from uh, Cal State Long Beach, you know what we call USC. <laughs> no, tell me. Tell me. Universe. Well, there's several names. We call it Big Tech, <laughs> which, you know, that's Big Tech, Figaro Tech. Cause that's the street, yeah. one of the streets it's on. Then University of Spoiled Children. You know, oh, yeah, we'll, that's, yeah. But, you know, when it boils down to it, you know, I think Big <laughs> I think big tech is about the best because, you know, people say, you know, it's always private schools against the UCs against state schools. I went to a state school, but that's okay yeah. because Spielberg dropped out of my school, and look at him now. So, you know, I just right. I know being that close to, uh, you know, the college set and especially coming from a prestigious school like USC, you know, obviously you're showing that you – are loving and working your trade. So I commend you for that. Uh, oh, thank you. Well, yeah, and it's funny about Spielberg. I think he was, didn't even get into USC. He applied. No, he was at my school. He was at Long Beach yeah. State and dropped out. Yeah. So did Steve yeah. Martin, too. I, however, did not drop out and got my degree, and now I'm still struggling for a job. But that's okay. Maybe if I dropped well. out. <laughs> <laughs> there might so be a pattern there. Drop out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. the free samples uh, film, Jay, what is the significance of the people that keep coming up to the ice cream truck and asking for stamps? Oh, <laughs> that's a great question. So, the screenwriter, Jim Beggarly, his, that that's part of the script is, is based on a real experience. Um, I think of someone he was dating at the time, and, and it was, it's kind of like loosely based around this idea, and, and, the, and this woman, she was handing out free samples of something. But people kept coming up to the truck and asking for stamps, and, like, it made no sense. <laughs> um, so I can say that that is based in reality, <laughs> even though you think it's the first thing from it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, when you need yeah. a stamp, like, you don't want to, uh, Like, not a food it. stamp. Not a food right. stamp. Right, no, not a <laughs> stamp for a letter. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I don't think they accept food stamps at the ice cream truck. Well, nowadays they <laughs> <you> might. <laughs> yeah, and well, this, there's, there's, there could be an opportunity there. Maybe. This film, Jay, it's, uh, you have this woman played by Jess Wexler who's dropped out of law school and is spending a day working her friend's ice cream truck and goes through all these experiences with uh, people throughout the day. Uh, including kind of, uh, I guess, a more important storyline with Jesse Eisenberg. What do you, what do you think is the theme of this of this movie? The theme of the movie, I think it's it's a, a the theme has something to do with it's okay to 
to find yourself in a spot where you don't know what you're doing or, like, everything that you thought was going to work out with your life doesn't. And but it's and it's okay to change that. It's okay to course correct and like you know take time off to figure this out. I mean that's and this is the day where so like Jillian played by Jess Wexler like this is the day where everything kind of comes to a head with her and she has to face she faces you know everything that she's not been dealing with um, you know after because she dropped out of law school and so she's in L.A. and doing nothing. Um, but I think that's that's what I related to about it because, I mean, how many times have I like uh, been some you know been working towards something and then realized oh wait I don't think this is what I really want to do or this is not, um, you know the, the what I expect out of life doesn't actually often match up to what I get and so mm-hmm. um, so it's like there's always like this dissonance dissonance between reality and your idea of reality so and that's a problem like people you know you gotta uh, i don't know for me at least like having coming to terms with that or like letting things be okay like the life went this way that's great i'm gonna go that way now um yeah yeah so it's essentially it's okay to be sorry oh no go ahead It's, it's okay to be in a period of transition I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, I think most, like, most movies, like, that would be a plot point. Like, the whole, this, like, the movie that we made would be just, like, one small piece of that. But, you know, what if you put that under a microscope? It's never as easy. Nothing is, you know, those transitions are never as easy as they often seem to be in movies. So I sure. like that we got to do that. Yeah, definitely. It comes across. Now, I watched your film that you wrote and directed, uh, August today. Uh, now, why would that adorable boy want uh, plastic surgery? <laughs> well, see, that's like another case of, uh, I mean, this is uh, the kinds of movies I like to make people who have, you know, who has like these issues with their identity. I think with that film, and to me it was, um, you know, everybody thinks, like if you're not if you don't feel okay with yourself and you think like you if I change my physical appearance, um, you know then that will solve my problems. And so I mean that was the case with him. He he was not okay with himself, so he was like on this he was bent on uh, trying to fix his face because he thought that was the answer to be okay and to have friends and to get the girl that he wants. Um, yeah, I mean, that was the point. Like, the point was to have somebody who didn't need it. Right. Play that Play that. That's a good character. point. That's a good point yeah. to make, though. Somebody that didn't need it, that has it. Yeah. Yeah, because I think uh, if, he, if he had, if it had been, it's like, oh, yeah, he should get that surgery, then you wouldn't, you, w- you wouldn't necessarily be as involved with the emotional struggle of, like, why is he even doing this? He shouldn't do that. But he thinks he should, and that's, uh, you don't you don't see that you often don't see that with like teenage boys doing that but it's like a, it's a it's a real um, condition and like some of it's based on medical um, you know there, there are medical there are medical reasons like if you have like an underbite or an overbite like you could have that exact surgery that's a real surgery in that film um, and that will help you with your you know your um, not have problems later in life, but people do it for cosmetic reasons. 
too. And they actually so. go in and, and break your jaw and reconstruct it? Yeah, yeah, they, it oh. would be, it's, they saw, like, a part, they, it's all, and it's the, the interesting thing is it's all done from inside your mouth, so mm-hmm. there's no, like, physical scars on the outside, and so they, uh, yeah, it's, it's ter- terribly uh, <laughs> grotesque imagining what that would really be like to see that. Yeah, it's terrifying. Um, so yeah. the movie Free Samples comes out tomorrow on iTunes and Amazon and comes out May 31st in Hollywood. Uh, where can people go to find out all the information about where to see the, the film? Absolutely. Uh, our Facebook page is the best place to go. It's uh, facebook.com slash movie. Or you can go to freesamplesmovie.com because that will take you to the Facebook page. Awesome. Um, but that's where we have all of our info aggregated. And then tomorrow we'll be making, you know, like putting posting all the links up, or some of them may already be up tonight, um, where you can get it. It's also going to be on cable, so, like, anybody who has Dish, DirecTV, Comcast, um, you know, Verizon, AT&T, all the cable on demand, uh, Time Warner, it should be there too. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be a great launch day tomorrow. And, um, yeah, I'm so glad uh, I'm glad we're finally there. Well, congratulations, sir. I hope it all goes well for you, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Have a good Take night. Take care. All right. Uh, Tamika. Mm-hmm. Tamika. Hey. Hey, Tamika. Yeah. Next up on the on the show, Uh-oh. we have uh, Shiz Gotti. And yep. uh, his cousin, AKK, uh, who's just added today, actually. And uh, I want to break okay. our listeners off with a preview of okay. Shiz Gotti's music. So I'm going to play mm-hmm. one of his songs, and okay. we'll be back with the boys. So this is Shiz Gotti with Hands in the Air. We'll be right back. Shiz Gotti. Jose 
Quavo. Million dollar lawyers on my payroll. So once here, his case closed. Huh. I take blunts to the face. Models love They say giving me face, bro. Can you relate? No, I don't think so. Hello, well, I'm laughing to the bank. And they say money talk, homie Charlie Sheen. I'm in love with money, favorite color green. And that's on everything. I do it for the team. And that's on everything. I'm a money machine. Straight monster. Fettuccine lobster. Trying to get a Grammy. Need a couple Oscars. House in Miami. Got one for my family. I'm going to do me to these understand me. Yes, sir. 
And Ak, tell me, uh, what, do, what do you got coming up next for you uh, musically? You just working on this mixtape with your boy, or you got other stuff going on too? Yeah, that's my cousin right there, Shiz Gotti. That's my cousin. I mean, that, that's the second project that I'm working on. I just wrapped up my solo mixtape called Unfinished Business, hosted by Young Noble from the Outlaws. I recall another album coming out called Unfinished Business a few years ago. Nah, that was back in the day, EPMD. Right, I was going to say, that's EPMD. And, that and, was and, and be, to, be, to, to be honest, it was called Strictly Business, so I just made a, I made a little spinoff called Unfinished Business. Oh, there you go. So, uh, uh, and when can, uh, so can people hear your, your mixtape is out now, right? Nah, it's, it's, it'll be out within another week or so. But if anybody trying to find out my songs or any material, you know, you could go to YouTube and type in the kid, Ock. Ock. I got a single got right now that's, that's buzzing heavy down here in Atlanta featuring my boy Actual, produced by Actual as well. And what is that single so, called? You know, Club Clothes. Okay. Um, I think I think we have that to play, right? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, so we're going to play uh, another song um, called uh, Club Clothes featuring Actual, and uh, it is by Ock. And we'll be right back to talk with Shiv Gotti and Ock. Hang tight, fellas, and let me break the listeners off with a little preview of Club Clothes. Here we go. Unfinished business, nigga.
all over me. That's my first single, first single off of Unfinished Business, the mixtape. Nice. I have to get well, the mixtape. Yeah, I think it's a great lead single. Um, so, uh, Shiz, uh, you were at an early mm-hmm. age inspired by your uncle, Bobby Brown, and the late, great Whitney Houston to perform yourself. What was it about their styles of performing that grabbed you? Well, you know, Uncle B, you know, he always been the king of stage, man. Just, you know, how I grew up watching Uncle B and touring with Uncle B on a Don't Be Cruel tour, and it just inspired me just to, you know I mean, I knew that that was the same thing, the same footsteps, the same path that I wanted to take with the music, you know what I mean? So since a kid, man, I've just been grinding and been in the studio and just been working. And, of course, Auntie Whitney, you know, she's a legend, and, she done showed me a lot about the business, taught me a lot. So, you know, I'm just working right now. I'm just working right now. And uh, by the age of 14, you were doing your thing, writing, recording, performing. Um, tell me about that time in your life. You you started a group, the, the Brown Bombers. Yeah, well, um, I was 14. Like, the first record that I ever recorded was actually in Auntie Whitney's studio in New Jersey in Crossway. And I had did that with, like, um, three of my first cousins. And we started a group called Brown Bombers, and Uncle B heard the record, and he was feeling it. He jumped behind it and was supporting it. And, you know, from there, we was um, on the road opening up shows for Uncle B and a few different spots. And, um, yeah, we were just grinding it out. And um, just in the studio, we just went on the road with Uncle B. He was, he was supporting, and we just we just worked. Your bio talks about a particular gig you had uh, at the House of Blues and how that cemented your music career. What was it about that concert that was so important? I mean, it was just a, it was just the audience and the vibe, just the vibe in the crowd. Just the, I mean, it was just it just did something to me. We was actually um in New Jersey then too. Also, actually, we was in um on the boardwalk. We was at the House of Blues there. And um, it just inspired me, man. Just the just the just the crowd and the love that everybody was showing in the audience, and then it just it just did something to me, man. And I just knew that from that point on that that's where I belong. And Ock, did you have a similar moment? Was there a moment when you were coming up that you just you knew you had to do music for a living? I mean, it's always been in my blood. My my, my grandfather was a backup singer for the OJ's back in the day. My mom, she, she she's a great vocalist. You know, it's just been passed down through generation to generation. So it's like I always 
I always knew that I'd be doing music, but it wasn't until about, I say about 16 years old when I knew that this is what I wanted to make a career out of. Okay, so both of you knew pretty early on, 14, 16, and you're still doing your thing. On um, May 24, 2005, uh, you guys had uh, a tragic moment uh, when your uh, your family had the birthday party of the patriarch of the Brown family, and uh, just shit went down that night. Uh, Shiz, tell me about that night. What happened that night? Um, that was a crazy. That was a crazy situation. Um, it, was, it was my grandfather's birthday. Rest in peace to him. But um, we was there celebrating his birthday, and you know it was it was it started over a simple bump, and one thing led to another, and things got out of hand, and uh, you know me and my cousin ended up getting stabbed. I was in the hospital for a month, life support, and the whole nine. And um, yeah, my cousin Kelsey actually got stabbed in the neck. It was a um, crazy situation, man. Just, just a crazy situation, but at the same time, a, a learning experience for me. How visible? You got slashed in the face, right? How visible is that scar still? Um, it's not really too visible. I had a surgery on it like as soon as I, um, as soon as I uh, got out the hospital. Okay. I had surgery, so it's not. It's not even. It's, it's not too visible. And both you and Kelsey recovered from the stabbing. Oh yeah, yeah. We both we we both recovered. We both here. We both good, alive and well. So good. everything everything good with that. And you didn't change your lifestyle after that to avoid that type of incident again. Um, do you think that this incident kind of served as more a uh, a, a jolt for you to uh, just to to stay with? the career choice that you had chosen rather than um, not, like, did it uh, make you kind of see, like, you know, take, make the most out of your life while you're here and you wanted to do what you love? It just got, it just got me focused on what I really needed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? Because um, Mm -hmm. at that time of my life, you know, I I was running around, I was wild doing a lot of different other things, man. And, I mean, that was, I, I look at that as something that just was, you know, was meant to happen to slow me down and to get me focused. So I don't have no regrets as far as it. I mean, I learned a lot from it. I took a lot from it. And I mean, I'm here, I'm alive and well. So at the end of the day, that, that's really all that really matters to me. And the the guy who, but I knew who that, did I this mean, from that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm listening to you. What you say? The, the guy who did this, was there ever any. Uh, did he ever give any reason as to why he just went up and, and started started up with you guys with a knife? Um, nah, you know there was never no there was never no reason. Uh, you know I never even conversated. I, I didn't know this person or nothing like that. So nah, there was never really no explanation given on why events took place that night. Um, mm-hmm. It just took place. I mean, some my it was it was a minute situation where you know I didn't think it would go as far as it did. But um, nah, I never really got an explanation on why it happened. You know, I guess it was I guess it was over. You know the you know the dispute we had and the little words. I guess they took it personal, and so be it. Gotcha. Um, and Ak, tell me a little bit about your song. We roll up, and we'll we'll play that next. Well, we we roll up. That's featuring my boy Chrome, 
He's from Brooklyn, New York. He out there got a strong buzz. Y'all follow him at GMM Chrome. You'll see pretty much the lifestyle that my bro leads. But We Roll Up, that's pretty much like the universal songs for all my smokers. You know, it's very <laughs> fine too. too. Too many people that don't smoke, so I'm pretty sure everybody going to love this one right here. So it's like a party anthem, <laughs> one of them records you put on and you just vibe to, man, whenever you got one of your good old smoke sessions going on. <laughs> All right. Well, Tamika, while you have a smoke session, let's play. We roll up. We'll be right back. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs>
Real New York nigga. Yeah, Mocha Tabby flow. <laughs> Catch me in the club, popping bottles, tell them, hand me rolls. Only rolls, baby. But the nigga want a problem, take over top, Amber Rose. So the nigga sit back, just chill, relax, hand the flow. Put the beat in the bag, get wrapped with a boat. Fuck Eileen, tend to pop my beans. Think about my cream, who's her dog? Think I lost my weed, think I lost my keys, I lost my mind. But I found my weed, beat down in my jeans, a 3.5. Lots of sirens, so high I be, cause we roll up, 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 we roll up. We roll up, we roll up, we roll up, we roll up. That was Ock with We Roll Up. Um, so, Shiz, uh, Ock, it wasn't, it wasn't too long ago. Uh, we lost uh, the late Ray Whitney Houston. What kind of uh, impact did, did her death have on your family? You said you said me. I... Either either one. Well, as everybody know, you know that she she was like the epitome of R and B singing. You know, between her and Uncle B. You know, that's the platform. Like Sid said, Uncle B, king of, king of the stage. Performance-wise, you know, Auntie Whitney just had that golden voice. It really, I don't, I don't really believe that there's any R&B singer female-wise that, that out here singing that doesn't look up to Whitney Houston. You know, she's a great legendary goddess of this music, period. So for any, any musician, period, as far as that goes, she's like the idol, you know, inspiration. Especially for singing, and that that motivates that motivates me as myself just to try to step into them shoes to be a, a great musician, to be a great performer, a great artist to leave that legendary mark just like she did. Right, and Shiz, uh, what was your relationship like with uh, your auntie Whitney prior to her death? Did you guys did you guys keep in touch when she and your uncle were not together? Yeah, we kept in touch. Actually, the last time that I actually seen and spoke to Auntie Whitney was um like the previous year before she passed. We was at, I had we had buried my grandmother, um, Carol Brown, and I had seen her and Chrissy at the funeral. And um that was the late that was the last time that I, I that I spoke to Auntie Whitney personally. But she always I always stayed in contact with Auntie Whitney through my mother. But um. The last time I actually seen her was at my grandmother's funeral. But me and Auntie Whitney always have been close since I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like as soon as I got out of the hospital after my um after me getting stabbed in the restaurant and all that, and when I came home, Auntie Whitney, you know, she gave us the crib, she flew us out to Cali for a little vacation. Like Auntie Whitney always showed love and like it's still unbelievable to me like that she's gone. And I'm pretty sure it's the same way for like the rest of the fam. Like it's just um, it's, it's unbelievable to everybody. You know what I mean, so it's still yeah. hard to this day. But you know, everybody's everybody's trying to everybody's trying to uh, keep it pushing as much as they can. Do you remember anything that she said to you the last time that you saw her? Um, you know, we just we just the last time I seen Auntie Whitney, we just talked a little bit. 
uh, about the music. She was asking me what I was doing with the music. She was, you know, just telling me to keep pushing. She always used to tell me, like, since I was a little kid, because, you know, I got red hair, so she's always, she's always be like, nephew, you're blessed. One day, you know what I mean? You're going really, to really make some of yourself. Just keep pushing, boom, boom, boom. But, you know, we just chopped it up like we always do. I mean, and we ended it with, I love you. I love you, too. And those are the last words that we said to each other. And uh, you guys clearly have a good relationship with uh, your uncle, Bobby Brown. Now, when she passed away, there was her, her funeral service, her memorial service, and um, it was said that uh, Bobby Brown was, he showed up, but he wasn't allowed in or he was thrown out or something. Um, how how did that whole event make you feel where, you know, you, you, you this, this man that you're very close to couldn't go and, and pay his respects. Um, I'm not really going to touch much on that because I wasn't actually there to, um, you know, to understand the whole situation or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't really touch too much on that, but, um, you know, okay. I'm pretty sure Auntie Whitney, she would have wanted us all and, and we loved her just like She's everybody far. else loved her. You know, she was, she, she was with our family for you know, 13-plus years since I was a kid, you know. Right. But um, as far as that situation, I, I, really, I really don't know because I, I really wasn't there, so I really can't really speak on that too tough. Right. Okay. Um, and, Tamika, did you want to say something? Well, just uh, out of curiosity with the music that you both are putting together, do you plan on incorporating any, like, uh, hooks from either Whitney's music or your uncle's music? Um. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know if we'll go back in the archive. It'd be. It'd be. It'd be good if we can go back in Auntie Whitney's archive and put a good, put a good record together. It wasn't in the plan, but I'm not against it. But um, as far as Uncle B, we have we have Uncle B on some hooks. I um. I also had. I, I recorded a song like a few years back when we was doing a group thing with my cousins with Auntie Whitney. So. We had a um, record actually featured with her and Uncle B called Love Thing, like back in like oh three oh four. But um, nah, it'll be it'll be good if we can go back in the archives and take one of Auntie Whitney's hooks and and, and put it to some uh, put it to some. We obviously expressing we, your own We also style. got a we also got another single that's surfacing right now featuring Uncle B and me and Shiz and Gerard called Nobody Knows. Y'all can um, check that out on the YouTube, taping Bobby Brown, Nobody Knows, and that'll pull up. We did that probably about a year and a half ago, two years. Yeah, we, yeah, 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 I forgot about that. But, yeah, that's that's there, too. Okay. We put that out about a year and a half ago, two, uh, two years ago at the most. Okay. And so uh, we got more Shiz, tell me about it. this upcoming Brown family reality show. What's going on with that? Oh, the Brown Family Reality Show. We um we actually shot the pilot to that. We um have a couple of situations on the table now with that situation. Actually, my uncle Tommy has been taking up meetings. He just flew to um he just flew to L.A. a couple of days ago. Him and the producers they've been taking up meetings with um the networks that's interested. But it's gonna be a beautiful thing. It's just you know about the family getting back on track, man. We had a lot of issues, man. Um, you know, over these last couple of years, we had like four or five deaths in the family. You know what I mean? And that brought a lot of turmoil between a lot of different family members. You know what I mean? So we're just trying to work some things out, get everybody back on track, because we plan on 
coming back, you know what I mean, in the industry and just taking over. So um, it's just basically going to show, you know, the, the new things that the family's embarking on. Like my Uncle T got a lot of, got his foot in the, like, a lot of different movies and a lot of different reality shows that he's doing. We doing um, music. We got some tours lined up. We got a whole bunch of things lined up. So just tune into the reality show. I'll be announcing like in the next few weeks on what network that we went with after um, these meetings is wrapped up. But yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Okay. And uh, where is the best place for people to go to uh, check out your music? Is it is it YouTube? Is it another website? Um, yeah, the best right now for you, for you to listen to the single, you can go to YouTube. You can also um, you can also follow me on Twitter at uh, ShizGotti, CMG, S-H-I-Z-G-O-T-T-I-C-M-G. You can get all the updates on everything that we're doing and um, different ventures that, we, that we're doing. So, yeah, you can get all updates through there. But if you want to hear the single, you can just go to YouTube and type it up, hands in the air, ShizGotti, it'll pop up. Okay. And, Ak, what's your, uh, what's your Twitter handle, sir? It's at the Kid Hawk, D-A-K-I-D-A-K-K. And that's for everything, right. my Instagram, for the Twitter, for the Facebook, every every social network site, it's at the Kid Hawk. And also, you can check out my my, my, my main webpage, which is um, www.brillionairerecords.com. Brillionairerecords.com. All right. Well, Octakid and uh, Shizgadi CMG on Twitter. Uh, good luck to both of you. The music sounds great. I think it, it's what hip hop needs right now. So I appreciate you guys bringing a, a good sound to the game. That it seems like it hasn't been around in a little while. Um, and uh, yeah, best of luck to both of you. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Thanks for Blazer Radio, man. <laughs> you appreciate anytime. you. Anytime. Uh, Come back anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right. Peace. Hi. All right. Bye. Have a good night. Bye. All right. That was Ak and Shiz Gotti. Tamika Kid, what's good, man? Yes. It's uh, Monday's almost over. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's just been a lot. This has been this has been a a very welcome distraction of um, everything else that's taking place in this world right now. So. I hear you. One day, um, one day at a time. I think uh, we should maybe have one more welcome distraction before we go. Uh, last Wednesday on the Blazing Right Backstage program, um, the David Bowers, a radio personality, uh, came on our show, and he and I recreated the Charles Ramsey interview. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm hesitant. You're hesitant? Yeah. Charles Ramsey interview? Charles Ramsey from Cleveland, the guy who found the uh, girls who were kidnapped. Yeah, dude. Come on. All right. So here here is our our recreation of the Charles Ramsey interview. Uh, This is David Bowers and me, and uh, it's pretty much verbatim. Here we go. Hey, Charles, Charles, let me talk to you. I'm talking with Charles. Oh, Oh, wait. That's the that's the real one. Where's that's the real one? Here's I'm talking with Charles Ramsey. He's a neighbor. Walk me through again what happened this afternoon. You heard screaming. Well, I, I'm, I'm I heard screaming. 
I'm eating my McDonald's. I come outside, and I, I see this girl going nuts, trying to get out of her house. So I go to the porch, and she says, help me. Help me get out. I've been in here a long time, you know. So I figure it's a domestic violence thing. So I open the door, and we can't get it that way because, you know, how the door is, it's, it's too much like a body can't get through, only your hand. So we kick the bottom, and she comes out with a little girl, and she says, call 911. My name is Amanda Berry. Now, do you know who that was when she said that? When she told me, I, I it didn't register until I, I got to call 911, and I'm like, I'm calling 911, you know, for, for Amanda Berry? And I thought this girl was dead. You know what I mean? And she got on the phone, and she says, yeah, this is me. And the detective, Gregory Cook, he says, Charles, do you know who you rescued? And I, I said, I said. Now, when did you see Gina? About, well, about five minutes after the police got here. See, that girl Amanda told the police, I ain't just the only ones. It's some more girls up in that house. So they're going up there, you know, 30, 40 deep. And when they come out, it was just astonishing because I thought, like, you know, they, they'd come up with nothing. I figure, I mean, whoever she was, and I say, like, like my neighbor, like, you got to have some big testicles to pull that off, bro, because we see this dude every day. I mean, every day. How long have you lived here? I've been here a year, you know. You see where I'm coming from? I, I barbecue with this dude. We eat ribs and whatnot, and we listen to salsa music. You see where I'm coming from? And you had no <laughs> indication there was any kind of foul play or anything? Not a clue, bro, not a clue. That girl was in that house or anybody, and not a clue she was in the house or anybody else in there against their will, but... Because, well, you know how he is. He just comes out in the backyard. He plays with the dogs, tinkers with his cars and motorcycles. He goes back in the house. So he's somebody you look at and you look away because he ain't doing nothing but the average stuff. See what I'm saying? Ain't no exciting thing about him. Well, at least not till today. <laughs> what was the reaction on the girls' faces? I can't imagine to see the sunlight, to be around people. Well, bro... I knew something was wrong when a little pretty white girl run into a black man's arm. Something is wrong here. Dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. <laughs> Charles, thank you very much for your time. And Well, it's either she's homeless or she got problems, you know. That's that's the only reason why she run to a black man. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, see David Powers, brilliant as always, sir. Brilliant, sir, brilliant. My pleasure, my pleasure. Always a pleasure to come join you. Tamika Kidd, thoughts? My thoughts? That was pretty good. I, I think, you know, David Powers always shows up, so that's a... What? He always shows up. He's a good uh, radio personality. Oh, David Bowers always. <laughs> that's true. He does always show up. I think that's a good like uh, tagline for him. David Bowers, the DJ who always shows up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Hit the brakes, Florence. Get your martinis out. And, uh, Tamika, if you have a Barbie doll, what are you going to do with that thing? Uh, you know what? We already know that Trico ain't got a shot. 
She ain't got a shot. <laughs> she, she ain't got a shot. All she right. Got a shot. Signing off for tonight. We we will catch you next Monday night. Be sure to tune in to the Backstage Program Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Tamika, good night. Thanks for joining us. Good night. The show. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Of course. Anytime.